thank you for another Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity to get together. It's just to, to hear from you. And I pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd take your word and place it inside of us. Let it transform us. And right now, I ask that you would you'd come and meet with each person here. That we're not looking for just an idea or just a truth or something that's going to stick with us. But actually we want to encounter you and have a transformative moment. And let this be the start of something new in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been meditating a lot on Philippians uh, over the last little while. Um, just I, I love the book. It has so many... like profound statements, but at, at its heart is it's a letter from Paul writing to his companions, people that he's partnered with. He writes to them, and I, I thank God for you, and I know what he started he's going to bring to completion, and he wants to update them a little bit on his story, and he says, this is what I've done, this is what's happened to me, I'm writing from prison, but I'm okay with it, because it's actually served the gospel, and then he says, but I know what God's going to do in you. And I see what he's doing. And he's going to bring it to completion. And he says, we can do this because of the example of Christ. And then he, he, he uses and he, he builds some theology around. And he says, this is why it's important to live like this. And then he, he starts like applying like personal things. He says, I'm going to send Timothy. And I'm going to send Epaphroditus to you. And I, I, I plead that you guys would actually get along. Because, I don't know if you know it, in church you can sometimes have disagreements with people. And he says, like those that are mature actually help each other. It's like we need to get along, we need to fight for this, we need to have a community that believes this. And it's this incredible personal letter with like the most profound statements. And it's like it's ones where we love to quote, it's like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we apply that to any and every situation. Whereas Paul's saying, no, I've learned to live with a lot, and I've learned to live with nothing. I've learned to, to live with like a generous supply, and then I've learned to survive in prison with nothing, and I'm okay. Through that, I've learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I was thinking in this time where we've got quite a big personal change coming up, and I'm just like, man, God, what would I write if I was writing a letter like that? How would I write to my friends that have partnered with me for the last few years and I want to say that our story as strange as it's been and as challenging as it's been I think it's been good for us and it's been good for other people to hear like man God can actually do that God can open a door like that God can provide and then at the same time like our journey is not complete so we can't write it from like the other side where we're writing it almost like as we're going it's like, I believe God can provide jobs. He hasn't yet, but I believe He can. And specifically this week, I, I was struck because I'm like, I know that God can do it. And it was quite a like, deep personal moment where I'm like, I'm convinced, convinced, convinced that God can do it. I just don't know He will for me. I don't know if anybody's felt like that. <laughs> I know that God can do it. I believe that he can. I've read it in my Bible. I just don't think he loves me that much. He'll do it for everybody else. But me, I know my sin. I know my brokenness. I know the things I've done. 
that disqualifies me from that. And I was just like, ah, that's, that's the nerve, actually. That's what I think the enemy uses to get at us. Because we can believe all the right theology, but actually, if he's not your God, there's a famous author, I think it's J.C. Ryle, he talks about so many people's faith is lost for the lack of personal pronouns. He says, I believe that he is God. I don't know if he's my God. I believe that he is Lord. I don't know if he's my Lord. I believe he is Savior. I'm not sure he's my Savior. I believe he is a good father. I don't know if he's a good father to me. And Paul's writing in this moment, and he's writing, he's like, I know that he can do it. And in your case, I believe that he will. Because I've seen your grace. I've seen your partnership. I've seen what God has started in you. And he will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion because he is working in you. It's not about you working hard enough. It's not about you being good enough. It's not about you like, preparing enough and being spotless enough and I've cleaned up enough, then he'll provide me with that job or that spouse or that answer or that, those like, finances. God says he is faithful. All his ways are steadfast love and faithfulness for those that keep his covenant and his testimonies. And we, we look at that and it's like, okay, God, you're incredibly faithful and you, you're incredibly gracious. And then we look at the second part of that verse where it's like, okay, if you are faithful to like, the covenant. But the thing is, our covenant is not a covenant of work. Our covenant, our agreement with God the new covenant is not, okay, I'll do my part as long as you do your part. The whole new covenant is, I have done everything, believe me. So the covenant is not how good you've been. The covenant is not how spotless you've been. The covenant is not, have you done enough to earn it? The covenant is not, are you good enough? The covenant is, are you trusting God? That's it. Actually, are you, are you willing to wait for God to actually provide the solution? And that's what I realized. Like, man, you know what? Even if God doesn't come through with the job that I want, He will come through for us because He has done everything we already need. Every step of the way, He has provided. He hasn't given us two steps in a way, but He's just given us one step at a time. It's, yeah. So I'm going to read through a little bit of Philippians. Thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. For I want you to know, brothers, that what happened, has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. He says, for you guys, I believe that God is going to bring it to completion. For me, I've gone through hardship. But the reality is, I don't actually care what happens to me. 
even if I die, I get to be with Christ. Or if I stay here, it's better for your benefit. And so because of that, I think I will stay. But that, that's Paul's thing. He's like, he's using his example that actually I've been locked up in prison and I've gone through beatings and I've gone through all this hardship. But actually for the sake of Christ, it's better. And then he uses Jesus' example to, to help us understand that actually, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from self-ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I always read that and it's like, therefore you should do this. And I'm like, wow, that is so far beyond what I can achieve. It's like, you, you're putting that there as the example of Christ. And yes, Christ's example is an ideal that we can aim at and we'll never achieve but we can achieve more than what we are doing at the moment he says therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He sets up these high ideals of who we call to be and who we can be. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The same power that allows Jesus to subject everything under his feet is the same power that God is using to transform you. The same power that subjects everything under Jesus is the same power that God said, wait, it's going to come and live inside of you and empower you and strengthen you. Only when we have that can we say, rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your, reasonable, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He goes round and round and round so many times saying, this is who you can be. Don't even worry about your situations. Like rejoice in everything. Don't be grumpy. Don't be angry. Don't get upset with each other. Just be this perfect example of what a Christian can be so that you can shine in this world. And I'm like, how on earth do we do that? <laughs> because 
like I can't get it right just in my family never mind like yeah anyway we're going round and round with that and then I was thinking part of what's counting against us is our culture our culture has this infatuation with youth and being young you think about just the word yes if somebody speaks to you and says like you know what you're an incredibly mature person we don't take that as a compliment. It's like maturity is not something our culture has celebrated for a long time. There's such a celebration of youth and the idealization of that. You look at like, any movie star, celebrity, it's like the whole thing is it's like how do we look as young as possible? How do we act as young as possible? How do we try and maintain our youth and it's like we, we, we want to grow old, but we don't want to ever act old. We don't want to act. And it's like there's, there's a healthy element to that of like maintaining our vitality as long as possible. But I think in our overcorrection by trying to maintain that, we've lost our celebration of maturity. And maturity is knowing how to have the appropriate response in any situation. I was thinking about it, even in church, we, we talk so much about identity. And identity is incredibly important. But identity combined with our cultural like, infatuation with you living out your personal preference and your freedom. And it's like, you have this ultimate personal expression. I just have to find my identity. And my identity is sometimes, I want to go and do whatever I want on a Sunday. Because that's where I find my freedom. And it's not a thing of like getting people to come just to church. But I believe there needs to be a correction because maturity is having a healthy sense of identity with a healthy sense of responsibility. And when you combine the two, then you know who you are called to be and what you are called to actually do. Because you think about a typical immature response. It is uncontrolled. A two-year-old's tantrum or three-year-old's tantrum is it becomes everything. You, that two-year-old or three-year-old cannot zoom out and realize that if I don't get that chocolate now, my life is going to end. And you saying no to me is the worst thing in the world. It's like if I can't drink that glass of Coke just before I, like I'm supposed to go to bed, it's like you are just... Like, you're the enemy, you're like you're Satan incarnate saying no to me about this thing I'm convinced I want. It tastes good. Why can I not have it right now? And we live with that same thing. Joe Rogan has this funny way of describing just our, like, our addiction to food. There's one conversation where he's talking to this doctor and the doctor says like, hey, it's like we're having this long conversation about how to, how to be healthy. And he says, so how, how healthy are you? He's like, no, actually, I, I snack a little bit too much. And I eat a little bit unhealthy. It's like, oh, and exercise? Oh, I don't really exercise that much. But he's like, but you're a doctor. You know how important this is for you. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm bad. And he's like, he uses the phrase, so just for that mouthfeel, like for the enjoyment of that mouthfeel, you are sacrificing your future for the enjoyment of putting that in your mouth that's all 
for that one second of pleasure, you are sacrificing years of your health. Years of your ability to actually be there for your kids. Years of being able to actually live and serve and sacrifice for the gospel for mouthfeel. That's helped, that one phrase has helped me so much in my like diet and exercise because it's like, wow, it is just that. The enemy lies to us that it's like, oh, it's my enjoyment and it's my satisfaction. It's like, no, it is mouthfeel. It is just for the sensation of that food and the, the chemicals that that releases and it tricks your brain that it's like making you happy, but it doesn't. You analyze the, the chemical analysis of it. If you're eating like a packet of chips, have you ever noticed that you never get full? Because, what is it? The maltodextrin. It is literally in there to just make you want more. And more, and more, and more, and more. Because it'll never satisfy you. Because it's designed not to satisfy you. <coughs> With Michelle's like health allergies, we've had to analyze like what's in, and you can't find chips that don't have it. It's intentionally placed inside there, not for your benefit, just for you to have that one more, just for that mouthfeel. And that's just an illustration of an immature response to food. An immature response to a situation. The mature response is being able to see it for what it rightly is. To zoom out and look at the situation. It's like, okay, I'm eating something. What is this doing for my body? What is this going to mean for my future? What is it going to mean for me? Is it, is it yeah. Simpsons analogy where there's one time where Homer is perfect, perfect gossip. It's really terrible, but he drinks like an entire bottle of like vodka and chases it down with a bottle of mayonnaise. And he's like, Whoa, what are you doing? Like, that's disgusting. And he's like, Oh, I'd hate to be Homer tomorrow because he's like, I'm Homer now. It's like, I'm not thinking about like, actually, I'm going to be Homer tomorrow. This is my, it's a silly illustration, but that's, that's something like what we do. Because the reality is the mature response is to, to realize that you are you, but not just today. You are you tomorrow and the next week. And if you would be able to see yourself rightly in all of those situations and put this situation into perspective, it would allow you the ability to actually respond differently. But when we're responding immaturely, we are so driven by our emotions or our physical just need at that moment or maybe it's even a spiritual need that we're satisfying with food or sex or drugs or alcohol, something. We're running to external like pleasures to satisfy internal like actual cravings. Often our problems are actually a deep spiritual problem. And because we're not wrestling with that, it becomes an emotional problem. And because we're not wrestling and we're not dealing with the emotional problem, it actually leads to a physical problem. Because it's hard to do that work. And it's hard to wrestle with God to actually say, what, what is driving me in this moment? 
what am I really longing for? And how can I find a healthy answer to this challenge that I'm actually facing? Because it might be a valid question. You might be incredibly lonely. And you're praying and you're saying, God, I need something. I need somebody. And then because you can't find the answer to that right now, we jump to a temporary satisfaction, whether it be food or something to drink. But if we find healthy alternatives to that, we're actually finding time to spend time with God. He can satisfy those longings. And if we can't get all the way there, we can actually find healthy in-between where it's like we're not made to be alone. That's why we have church. That's why we have community. It might not be the be-all and end-all of what you're longing for, but God provides an alternative and He provides a solution for you in that time. None of this was what I planned. Paul's answer to the longing for maturity. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Because there's people that have come in and said, you know that longing that you have, the reason why you don't have it is because you're not doing everything you're supposed to. So you're supposed to keep some of the law. And you have to be good enough. And you have to do all of these things to guarantee that you will get what you want. He says, look out for these guys because they're going to come. And you're going to have gurus and dietitian experts and religious experts. And you're going to have the next new Christian like preacher. And he's going to have this brand new silver bullet that solves everything. Partly look out for that because there is none. Paul says, like specifically here, they were saying like, no, you actually have to go back and get in some of the law. If you get right, God's given us His law. If you do that right, there's some Christians that like to do that. Like I'm a Christian, but if I'm a Christian and I'm like, act all the Jewish, like follow the Jewish like rules and laws and I, I, I seem even more religious. And it's like, hey, it was God's law, so it can't be a bad thing. But it is a bad thing when you are relying on your work to earn you extra brownie points with God. That's what he's saying. Don't. He says, if you, if you want to trust in those things, I have more credibility. It's like, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ 
and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, in the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to, what, to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you, or let those of us, who are mature, think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. says this is the path of maturity to realize what's important to forget what lies behind and look forward to what lies ahead maturity is understanding where we are and how to respond the mature response when you've really been hurt is not to hold on to all of that hurt but it is to understand what to let go of how to forgive so that actually you can move forward in marriage, the mature way of actually healing is finding a way to address the problem, to forgive the past, to realize what we are trying to build. Maturity as a kid is to realize like actually that Coke is not the most important thing. I need to learn to trust those that are ahead of me. I need to trust the instruction that I'm getting. Maturity when we're thinking about our health is actually learning who we are, who we were created to be. And where we are running to like alternatives. Maturity spiritually is realizing what I'm created for. Realizing the identity I've been given. Realizing the responsibility I have. And playing my part in that. Like I, I want today to be actually a celebration of maturity. To actually celebrate like what it means to respond in an appropriate way. I often joke where people say, it's like, ah, oh, you, you respond appropriately in this situation or you, you learn how to respond appropriately there. Proverbs says, like, even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. It's like, if you don't have the right thing to say, say nothing. That is a major improvement on saying something stupid. <laughs> so maturity may be actually just not responding immaturely. That's the first step. It's like, actually, I don't know what the right thing is to do, but I'm not going to do the wrong thing. And God, would you show me what the right thing is to do? Would you show me how to respond appropriately? Would you show me how to grow and to mature and to understand who you are calling me to be? What you are calling me to? two pictures that kind of really impacted me over the last two weeks. One was Steph saw me when we were praying the other day, almost sitting in a room, in a dark room, with God, like light shining on me. And just this picture of looking at God. And we can so easily get distracted by the things in the world and things around us and the obstacles and the challenges and moving countries and what about my family, what about my kids? 
And the reality is that none of that actually matters if I can keep my eyes on God. Because He will provide everything for us. And come back to the start where it's like, I, I, I believe God is like that. I doubt whether He's going to do that for me. And when I do that, I realize I doubt because of my brokenness and my sin and I haven't done enough because I slip into that mindset where it's like, okay, I believe this, but what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do a little bit extra? Am I supposed to like pretend a bit more? Am I supposed to do these right laws? And the reality is it's a, it's a compromise of the gospel to have that. It's a compromise of the covenant that God has made us to try and put anything extra on top of it. God wants us to walk with Him and to trust Him that much that actually He is going to fight for us. The second picture is, love, can you come stand here? You can go to the <laughs> the simple picture that we don't think of Jesus as somebody real enough to ask him to come and comfort us like that. And Jesus said, It's better for me to go away because the Holy Spirit will come and be your comforter. And I, I can't promise you that I always feel that intimacy with God but I believe it's available and the more I meditate on the fact that just imagine that Jesus was really here I know what it's like if I go to my dad and I ask him for help I know he'll do everything in his power to help me everything because he has been an incredible father And if you've had a, a father like that, you know what it's like. If you haven't had a father like that, you somewhat know what it's supposed to be like because it seems inappropriate. That actually, if I went to my dad and I asked him for help, I know he would do everything to help me. How much more our heavenly father? And I guarantee you that God is like it for you. That he is that willing to help us. He is that willing to come alongside us and embrace us and comfort you and care for you and provide for you. Does it mean you always come through in the way you planned? No. But in those moments, you know that He is still working behind the scenes because He's trying to get your attention to provide in a better way in the future. So that's where I come back to my situation. I believe that God has a plan. I believe he's orchestrated it perfectly and he's showing us and he's leading us. And if it doesn't work out exactly how I think it's going to go, it's still going to be good. Because he has shown us enough along the way that he has never let us down. going to read this again because Paul's saying if you're mature think about this 
I'm letting everything go behind. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever that... I can see that God has pressed on some nerves here today. Whatever that is, I want you to leave it behind because there is a better future for you. There is a better future for you. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's prize was, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. True maturity in Christ is just knowing Jesus. And all of the hardship, all of the challenges, all of the pain we go through allows us the opportunity to act more and more like Christ. And as we act more like Him, we actually learn to embody more and more who Christ is. And as we meditate on Him, that becomes that guiding light, that picture of each and every one of you actually sitting in a room with nothing else, just the light of Christ shining on you. You close your eyes. Please. Lord, I, it's actually so much that you need to do because you're fighting against the cultural infatuation with youth and our own identity and our own expression and our immaturity. And the enemy has used that to hijack our lives and our desires and our senses and our wants and our longings. I pray that you'd come and do a deep work inside of us. That you'd show us that actually our desire is for you, for Christ, for your kingdom, for your values, for your identity combined with our responsibility and taking up that responsibility with our identity. We become mature examples of light shining in a dark world. Lord, I pray that you'd come and bring comfort where there needs to be comfort. But I pray today would be a defining moments in lives where they can say actually forgetting what lies behind I look forward to the prize of the upward call of Christ of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and his resurrection and his power actually coming and transforming us and beginning or completing the work that he has begun inside of us visible like expression of this we actually we're going to dedicate Skylar oh. Stephen and Belinda have asked us you are a special little girl hey hey oh, yes mm. okay. 
Lord, I thank you for Skylar. I thank you for how you have used her to bring a transformation in Stephen and Belinda's life. I believe you're still going to bring a transformation in Justin and Kayla's life. But today we dedicate Skylar to you. That she's already been used mightily by you. Pray that you'd bless her and keep her, Lord. That you'd make your face shine upon her. Be gracious to her. That you'd lift up your countenance upon her and give her peace. Lord, I pray that you would just lead her and guide her all through her life. Thank you for the, just the sweet, beautiful personality that's inside of her, that you see her creative expression already. Father, I pray that you would continue to lead her and guide her, her entire life. I pray that you'd create a deep love for you, for you from an early age, that you'd transform her, form her heart, that you'd lead her, You'd be with her in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Stephen, I just saw you with the heart of a worshipping father. And I was thinking, like, there's, you joke, or each time you, like, message on your family group where it's like, I know this is going to be weird, or this is going to sound, I don't want to be weird, but, it's like, almost, be weird. Be the man of God that you are. You are a deep thinker. You love God. There is a deep love for, for God and for people. And then you're an incredibly practical guy with your hands. It's like, you're not, you're not afraid to actually... I think you're more afraid of not living what you actually believe than saying the right thing and not doing it. If that makes sense. It's like you're terrified of saying the right thing and not living it. So instead you won't say anything until you're doing it wholeheartedly. And I believe there's been that shift. Where you are living it wholeheartedly and now you need to start speaking and singing and letting the walls down so that people can actually see the heart that's there. Belinda, you as well, you both come with like a, a protective shell where you've had to have a, quite a hard exterior, but there's a, a, almost a powerful prophetic element there because you're not satisfied with the way of the world where there's actually a longing for it to be different and longing for society to be different and longing to be different in that situation where it's like, I'm not going to go with the flow. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's a powerful prophetic like declaration that life is not what it should be. But it also has the tendency to be a, like a rebellious like element where it's like actually God's going to do something that's completely out of the ordinary where you're not going to go with the flow but you're going to be going with His flow. And there doesn't need to be like this anger or rebellion or like any like we're going to be different for the sake of being different we're going to find the identity that god has placed inside of us and we're going to live into it fully so today actually i think it's more about you guys than skylar i want to anoint you if that's okay lord i thank you for steven 
Thank you for Belinda. Thank you for the responsibility that they have taken. Father, I thank you for the fact that they have stepped into a responsibility that maybe shouldn't have been theirs to take. But because they have, I think you are giving them a whole new identity and a new lease on life, a new transformation of who they are and who they are called to be. They are stepping into a Christ-like Father heart of God figure in Skylar's life and in many more. Lord, I thank you for the transformation in the entire family as a result of Skylar. Lord, I pray that today would be transformative moments, a monumental moment in their family's life where you would usher them all into a whole new future, forgetting what lies behind, looking at what lies ahead. They will strain to be as much like Christ as what they possibly can be. Lord, I thank you that there will be a celebration of maturity in their lives. Though they would not be doing it out of obligation or out of duty, but out of a deep, internal, transformed nature, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.